What should I be looking for in an ADHD coach and what should I expect once I have one? Okay. Good looks for sure. Um, yes. A, uh, uh, you know, a generous smile. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for, um, for, for people sitting on the podcast, Brendan and I were both just having a a, a generous smile. <laughs> uh, right. It ahead, depends Brendan. on how old you are. That's in there. Ooh, yeah, right. Like that. That matters because the skills that you're going to need to be learning if you're a college student, like we just spoke to, mm-hmm. those. A lot of this overlaps, but if if you're looking for college stuff, you want to have someone who knows ADHD and knows college. If you're looking for like big picture ADHD life stuff, then you probably want someone who is older and has done some of that stuff. If there's like a, if you're in your forties and there's a 20 year old ADHD coach running around, they haven't had the same life experience you've had. So you want to, you want to be connecting to someone who is probably 40 ish. ADHD rewired episode 304. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mention on today's show you can support us on patreon sign up for our email newsletter you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups you can do all of this at our website adhdrewired.com we know that starting is the hardest part so let's get started Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We are here for our live Q&A. This was recorded on December 9th. You are hearing this on January, whatever the second Tuesday in January is. This is out. Um, So we already have a question from Kay, who is here with us live. We have Brendan and we have Will uh, with us as well. So uh, Kay, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your question is? Um, I guess my question is, I'm trying to get diagnosed, but the people that my college has referred me to have been continually showing how misinformed they are about ADHD in terms of thinking that it's only a childhood thing or that you can't be smart and have ADHD or thinking that neuropsych testing is conclusive paired with getting absolutely no history. Um, And I'm not really sure where to go from here because from everything that I've researched on my own I'm like 99% sure I have it but these professionals don't seem to like actually know anything about ADHD so I'm not sure really what to do if I should just try to go over their heads and find somebody else on my own I don't know I'm kind of like lost here okay all right <laughs> wanting well, for advice so first of all um, I think that we can all uh on you know just say how sorry we are that you're dealing with that because that is so frustrating um and it is unfortunately more like that that should be a rare thing that happens like that should be a what that's that's unheard of it's not unheard of and that's really frustrating um so i don't think it's going over anyone's head to seek out a second opinion that's called being an advocate right you gotta gotta be an advocate (laughs) yeah Um, i completely agree with that where, where are you located like what area? The Los Angeles area. There should be no shortage of of 
docks in your area. Um, okay. Yeah, I have a um, a friend who's in uh, Southern Oregon and is having the hardest time finding a, a doctor um, that's not five hours away. Um, right. So yeah, um, Will, do you have any thoughts? Have you ever gone through this? Uh, I haven't personally gone through this, but I do. One thing I have is like, even without getting your diagnosis, you can start doing ADHD management techniques, mm -hmm. um, which is just being like, hey, I'm just because even if you don't have it, most ADHD tech management techniques are going to improve your life. Mm -hmm. uh, so go ahead and start trying to plan out ways you can like manage ADHD better. And mm -hmm. that's going to that will help in the pursuit of because one of the things right. that I see as a difficulty here is getting an ADHD diagnosis is made more difficult just by having ADHD because you have to do the whole process of finding a doctor and talking to them and follow up and all that. So if you start doing the ADHD management stuff now, it'll make the process of trying to get that second opinion a lot easier. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think too, it's also when you are calling uh, doctors, I ask them how much of your practice is ADHD focused? How much of your focus is on, is working with adults with, with ADHD? Um, you know, and so I, I do think, you know, generally speaking, I find if you're looking at one of those, like something like psychology today, where there's a, like a list of, of these providers, if they have more than 10 specialties, they probably don't specialize in anything. Right. Right. Okay. There are exceptions to that. I mean, there, mm -hmm. I definitely have worked with, with uh, some really brilliant uh, um, providers uh, who really do have a lot of specialties and just are a wealth of information. But I think that that is probably more of the exception than the rule. Um, Even tens a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. Can, can I poke? Is that OK? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have background questions that I'm wondering about. Mm -hmm. What is causing you to chase down an ADHD diagnosis? I think it's mostly just like how much, I guess I've had issues like for a while, like even in high school and before, but I kind of thought it was just like a me problem. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm like living on my own and now it's even harder, um, I guess I'm sort of starting to wonder if there's like something else that's like at the root of it. Um, Are you hitting like, difficulty in classes and that kind of stuff or is that going okay what does that look like um i feel like classes are challenging as well as just like like i'm a music student so like mm -hmm. managing practicing and getting to places on time and like regularity of things yeah what year are you in i'm a freshman okay all right how long have you suspected that you have adhd that's like last spring Last spring. Okay. So towards the tail end of high school. Yeah. All right. Um, I am not saying you have ADHD. I'm going to tell you what some of the things that people are wondering about is. Right. Those doctors that you're talking to are, and potentially school personnel is also are going, mm -hmm. well, yeah, of course she's a freshman and everything is different now. And she's struggling to like step up to the challenge of college. She'll be fine. She just needs a little more time. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, which could be right. But also, if you have ADHD, you're going to struggle to step up to the challenge of college. And mm -hmm. that's going to be harder and it's going to take you longer to adjust. So right. certainly you want to look for people who are specialized in ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, not You don't necessarily have to go to anything the college refers you to. They don't. They're yeah. just like, these are people we happen to know exist. They don't even necessarily yeah. know if they do a good job or not. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then assuming you get the diagnosis Mm -hmm. immediately take Mm -hmm. that diagnosis, like while the print is, while the ink is still wet Mm -hmm. and go to your, um, go to the office of disability services Mm -hmm. and, and get that stuff nailed down. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't want to use it, I certainly right. have met enough college students that are like, I don't want to have to like get extended time or whatever. I don't want it to be a crutch mm-hmm. and, and feel free to have that perspective, but go there anyway, because if something goes south on you, you want right. to have the leverage when you need it. It doesn't right. mean you have to use it when everything's going fine, but if things start getting hard, you want to have the backup evidence stuff. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So is that helpful for you? Yeah. 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 I think it's just been frustrating because I feel like everybody that they've gone to has not helped. And I just get more kind of hopeless about like future semesters and -hmm. what it's going to be like if it's the same as this one. Um, That's that's where I was diagnosed was after almost failing out my freshman year. Um, So, and I think that's, that's uh, a not that uncommon of a scenario. So, uh, so you're like a semester ahead of me then on like trying to figure this out. So good for you. Thanks. All right. I wish you the best of luck. And that, and uh, if you look back in the, uh, the chat, um, somebody posted a link uh, for providers oh, in, cool. the, uh, in the LA area. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. All right. Uh, let's go to our, uh, our next question. Um, we have Vanessa. I'm not sure if she wanted to go live. So we'll, uh, Let's read the question. Do you have any uh, tips for dealing with avoidance issues? I just want to be like, we'll come back to that. I don't, later. I don't want to talk about this one. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it was too easy. Um, uh, so mine crop up around one, looking at my finances, late bills, fees, etc., and two, my job. I'm um, applying for others, but want to excel at this one and feel totally unmotivated. All right. So uh, give us a little bit more context. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, do you have any questions or do you want me just to kind of start talking? That's dangerous. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So um, tell us a little bit more about the, the job um, issues and is this, is this changed at all as far as, um, let's start with that question. Has your avoidance, has you noticed any changes in recent months? Um, no, I'm still kind of, um, so I, I went through the, uh, the coaching and accountability program, mm-hmm. um, in, in the spring, partly wanting to address, um, my work habits. I, I find myself, um, struggling to start things that I should start. I find myself distracting myself. Um, I, you know, I want, I'm not doing as good of a job as I know I can and as good of a job as I want to, I want to feel proud of my work. Um, I do feel, uh, I feel like I could be getting a little more support than I'm getting. So I think some of it might be, you know, uh, deeper than a motivation issue. Um, I, I can be doing, uh, harder work than I'm being assigned, but you know, that's a cycle, right? If you don't prove, if you don't prove yourself, you don't get assigned bigger projects. So, you know, I I do recognize my role in that and I want to play, I want to play a better part, um, and stepping up to the plate. 
So my first question is, um, so you said that, that you feel like you're like not doing enough or you feel like you're doing a better job. Yes. So my, my actual question is to, uh, everyone who's here on the live Q and A. If, uh, if you hit on that participants button that you see, um, if you click on that, you'll see a, a raise hand function. And I just want uh, to ask everyone to raise their hand if they often feel that way. And we see that yes, we uh, I will. I know that you're in the hot seat a little bit uh, later uh, for your for your mastermind, and I know that it's that's kind of around part of your topic too. So um, I think part of it is the what we think is you know uh, how we're assessing our situation and what the reality of it may actually be. Um, so do you think that there's any disconnect there? Um, I, I don't, um, I, I, re- I recognize what you're saying and, um, I know that I do that in a lot of parts of my life and I've ever since I've, I went through the co- coaching group, mm-hmm. especially I've, I've given myself a bigger break and, and I love being part of this community because so many people have so much in common with me that, I've learned to forgive myself and just cut myself some slack and keep going when things don't turn out the way I, I think they should have, okay. you know, should I've learned is a really bad word, yeah. but I, I can, I can tell you without wanting to go into detail, um, that I can be doing better. Okay. So let's, uh, let's look at some core issues. How's your sleep? Um, better. It's better. I'm getting seven to eight hours a night. Um, and I, my mastermind was my sleep routine and I've followed through on most of the plans that I made. And actually I, it's, it's made a huge difference. Okay. Um, and I have started meditating daily for about 20 minutes. Great. Wow. Um, which is also helping. It's yeah, it's, it's hard to stop once you start seeing the benefits. In regards specifically to your, um, uh, finances, what have you tried to put in place that would make it easier? Nothing. Okay. What's, what's the one thing you could do that would make it easier? I could go see a financial counselor. It's offered here in our community actually for free and I can book online. It could not possibly be easier. (laughs) Okay. What, what, what is, doing it. <laughs> what, what's held you back from doing it? Do you think? It, uh, emotional paralysis. Um, I think that, I think that the problem is bigger in my mind than it really is. And it's just so easy with so much I have to do in a day to just put it off because I'm still getting so much other stuff done. You know, it's like, Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Well, tomorrow never comes. Okay. So how important is the, the, the looking at your finances uh, aspect right now to you in your life? Very important. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Brendan and Will to help me with something here. um, Mm -hmm. And that is to help me remember to come back to Vanessa. Vanessa, I'm going to actually ask you to right now, go schedule that appointment and we're going to come back to you. Okay. All right. And, and Will and Will and Brendan are going to make sure I don't forget to come back to you. Okay. All right. We'll uh, let it, let us know uh, when, when you're done. Okay. I will. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Cool. Let's do uh, one more question before we uh, cut to break. Have you seen one that, uh, that looks interesting? What should I be looking for in an ADHD coach and what should I expect once I have one? Okay. Good looks for sure. 
um, yes. a, uh, uh, you know, a generous smile. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for, um, for, for people sitting on the podcast, Brendan and I were both just having a, a, a generous smile. <laughs> right. uh, it ahead, depends Brendan. on how old you are. That's in there. Ooh, yeah. Right. Like that, that matters. Cause the skills that you're going to need to be learning if you're a college student, like we just spoke to mm-hmm. those, a lot of this overlaps, but if, if you're looking for college stuff, you want to have someone who knows ADHD and knows college. If you're looking for like big picture ADHD life stuff, then you probably want someone who is older and has done some of that stuff. If there's like a, if you're in your forties and there's a 20 year old ADHD coach running around, they haven't had the same life experience you've had. So you want to, you want to be connecting to someone who is at probably 40 ish. Um, there are credentials that people can get in terms of coach training, in terms of master's degrees for master's degrees. You want to look for stuff like social work, counseling, uh, education isn't bad, like specifically a degree in education, not just having education. But if they have a master's degree in like paleontology, that's not so much with the valid, um, and you want to get to know them. You want to meet them and see what they have to say and how they work. And if you like them, Eric, what do you got? Distractosaurus Rex. <laughs> Paleontology. Oh, um, oh, yes, that is a thing. If that if that is their name, if they if their website or something says that they will help you conquer Distractosaurus Rex, just hire them immediately. <laughs> that person is clever and they're doing it right. <laughs> Man, the, the rabbit holes my brain goes down sometimes. It's just... It's I was like, like, am I missing something obvious? <laughs> and I'm just like being cognizantly aware of like, are you missing the point of what we're talking about right now? But like, I couldn't, <laughs> could not help the the bad pun. All right. Um, so I, I would, I would echo a lot of what, uh, uh, what you said, Brendan, you know, I, I think that first of all, it's got to feel like a good fit. So like, and you're not going to know until you try. Right. right. Um, you can have someone who has all these great credentials, all this great training, and you might just not jive with that person. Right. And that's not anything that says that's anything negative about that person. Just sometimes there's a different personality type that you feel you don't jive with. And that's OK, too. Um, oh, we, we got an age. OK. The age is 47. 47. Was diagnosed to 20, I'm sorry. 44 was diagnosed to 27. OK. So numbers. I think looking to see like if, you know, what kind of experience they have. You know, the other thing, and I know that there are a lot of good ADHD coaches uh, out there. Um, I have also come across many ADHD coaches who still have a lot to work on with their own ADHD. And not, I'm, and I'm not saying that like, I don't have my own stuff that I'm still working on. I will always be working on my own stuff, right? I will always have things that make uh, uh, just different areas of my life challenging because of my ADHD. But more like where it's it's impacting their clients, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that that's a red flag if if you see that start, starting to happen. Um, you got to you know an ADHD coach um, has got to be managing their stuff, you know, fairly well. Um, I think in order to to serve uh, their clients, um, the so I as a my background being a licensed clinical social worker, I have that that mental health background. Um, 
you know, and so I, I don't have that coaching certification. Um, but I also think that social work is the, well, it is the original strength space perspective, um, which is a lot of what coaching, uh, is about. Um, so it's just using a, a skill set, um, applied in a different way. So it's, um, you know, my, my, uh, you know, regular concern around just the, around coaching as an industry in and of itself is that they don't know what they don't know. And that concerns me. Um, when, when, when we're dealing with other issues related to mental health, again, not saying that there are people who have, you know, advanced coaching, uh, certifications who don't have that background in mental health. Um, some of them are, are wonderful, right? So it, I think also like word of mouth recommendation is helpful. Um, do they work? in a way that works for you. Like, do you need someone in person? Do you, could you work virtually with somebody? Um, does it work in your schedule? Do you have to go back and forth with email on scheduling or do they have, is it easy for them to, for you to schedule with them using like an online system? Um, you know, so those are some of the things to, uh, to look at, uh, as well. Um, additional thoughts. Yeah. Will. And you want to keep, uh, in mind how you work best with someone else. Like a lot of the time it, like I know if I have someone that's like just being very gentle with me, I will kind of just keep pushing that boundary and keep pushing that boundary. Whereas if I have someone be like, Hey, why didn't you do this? And I'll be like, I, I'm not going to get to that point anymore. Cause I don't want to answer that question ever. <laughs> uh, so having, knowing how firm you want someone to be with you and how, if you can like figure out ahead of time, how you want to be treated in the relationship, then that can really help, uh, narrow down what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I hope that was helpful. Um, what we should do now is take a, a quick break. And then when we come back, we will uh, get to some more questions. We will be right back. If you were listening to this podcast on the day it came out, which is the second Tuesday in January. Today is our live Q and a, and you can join us at 1230 PM central time. Join me, Brendan Mahan from ADHD Essentials and Will Kerb from Hacking Your ADHD as we answer your questions live. We do this every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. This is a great way to be a part of the community. To register for our free Q&A where we will answer your questions, help you with your challenges and more, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. We'll see you there. Hey, what are you doing today? What is your priority? We all have things on our to-do list trying to get things done, but what about learning how to do things better? Do you want to try learning how to plan your week or your month? Don't just think about it. Actually spend time doing it. Go to coachingrewired.com and click on the big green button to register for our spring coaching and accountability groups. Our groups have helped hundreds with planning and creating good habits. Whether you made a resolution to be more organized or maybe you want to create a path to the best version of you. Join us. Go to coachingrewired.com, click on the big green button, and tell me where I can send you your registration invitation. Registration is by invitation only. Our spring sessions start April 8th. You can learn more about the coaching groups at our website, coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. This group, oh crap. Is it, am I muted? 
this group, the way that it's so amazing is not how we're all different, is how we're all similar. Because I've rarely ever talked to someone and had them say, oh, this is how I do all this. And then I think, oh my gosh, it's exactly, that's how I am. When I first joined this, hearing everyone's stories at the beginning, especially, it made me cry because it was so amazing to feel like, oh, these are my people. That is hard to come by when you're in the percentage of the world with ADHD. That's coachingrewired.com. All right, we are back and uh, we are going to uh, bring Vanessa back on. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, guys. Is all of the woes of your life better? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize I would take that. Take that little time. No, absolutely not. But I did make the appointment. It is for Saturday morning. Um, wow, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get in there and start talking to someone um, and hopefully waiting, waiting through, you know, the difference between my fears and reality and, and face it. That's awesome. How are you feeling right now having mm-hmm. done that? Um, I feel proud for taking the first step. I feel proud for deciding to look it in the face. Um, pretty apprehensive, like probably I'm going to need uh, something soothing to do on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, yeah, I, I feel I feel like I'm taking charge. Will you do me a favor? And yeah. everyone else, this is a great exercise. As best you can, put the apprehension to the side and embrace the feeling of pride, embrace the feeling of moving forward and taking charge and that sort of stuff. And when I say that, I don't just mean emotionally, like figure out where you're feeling that in your body. When you're feeling like that, I feel like proud, right? If that means you're standing up a little straighter, if that means you're pushing your chest out or anything like that, do that, feel that body position, Feel where the emotion is happening in you physically and also feel the emotion and try to own that as best you can do it for as long as you might need to. So you can recreate this body position and this emotion in the future so that on Saturday, when the apprehension creeps back in and you're like, maybe I just won't go, you can tap into this pride, tap into this feeling of being able to take charge and push through whatever apprehension may come up. Is that something you can comfortably do? Yeah, that's, that's wonderful advice. I, I hadn't considered, um, you know, incorporating the, the body, the body feeling into it. And I, I think that'll be really helpful actually cool. um, for all of my avoidance issues. <laughs> and and you can do that, that too. You can use this pride for stuff that has nothing to do with bills. Yeah. Okay. I hope that was helpful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan. And congratulations on making that appointment. Thanks, Eric. Awesome. All right. Let's, uh, let's queue up another question. Okay. I had one from, uh, Daniel, which is, uh, I'm having major problems with lack of motivation, not only for things I don't want to do, but have to do, but also for things I want to do or enjoy. How can I motivate myself to get things done? Okay. And do we know if uh, Daniel will go, is willing to go live? 
I am seeing in the chat that Daniel will go live. Excellent. Thank you. We know that motivation is part of ADHD and it's important to understand motivation, not as a character deficit because it is not, it is a neurological uh, neurotransmitter issue. Right. So if we can sort of think about it from that, uh, that realm, um, then we can look at how do we, um, how do we support our neurotransmitters to, to support that motivation? How's it going, Daniel? Pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm at work right now, but, uh, I have a little bit of time to answer the question. All right. So, and I think that if I recall, uh, you, you, uh, I think maybe sent me an email about this question last, uh, Last month, I'm glad you're able to come back to answer or to ask the question again. What have you found that's helped you in the past when you're feeling um, like you're not feeling motivated to do something? Are there things that you found helpful in the past? No, um, pretty much all my life I can remember. I've, I've always kind of avoided things that um, if I didn't feel motivated to do them, I would avoid them. Okay. So I've, I've actually, I don't really have any memories of overcoming those. Okay. Um, and are you working with a doctor with the medication stuff? Like, are you taking any yeah, medication? Both. I have a, I'm taking medication and uh, I'm seeing a therapist. Okay. And are there things that you feel more at ease at doing or you don't feel resistance? Um, things like, um, I guess some things that I enjoy, uh, Things like, um, well, I guess, <laughs> things like watching TV. <laughs> okay. Um, relaxing. Um, I, I, there are some things like um, flying aircraft is something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy driving. Okay. So, what is your need for stimulation? Are you someone who has like a low energy or high energy do you, fi- do you feel that you have a low arousal or high arousal threshold extremely low okay so low mo- low energy low arousal threshold yeah okay how's your sleep horrible horrible okay uh, have you ever got a have you ever got a tested for sleep apnea or a, another sleep disorder and Sarah, Daniel, yeah, your, yeah. your audio is a bit noisy in the background. Is there any way we can? Uh... Sorry, I'm, not, like said, I'm at work. I'm a truck driver. <laughs> I'm in the truck right now. Okay. So like, is that, was that like the noise, like the seat bouncing? Probably. <laughs> I went over some railroad tracks. <laughs> Would you avoid those bumps, please? We're trying to record a <laughs> podcast here. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so your sleep is not good. Are, so you say you're you're a truck driver. Do is your schedule like very variable? Uh, no, it's it's pretty consistent, but it's just weird because I work four days on, three days off, and they're split up. So I work Monday, Tuesday, and then uh, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so it's it's just all over the place. And I work at three and four a.m. is when I go into work. Oh man. So you're also having some, um, some, uh, that's a squeaky seat. You're also having some, uh, shift work, uh, uh, sort of challenges. It sounds like going on as well. Um, you know, if, you know, with anyone with ADHD when they're in there, if it's not been well managed, if their sleep is not good, um, I just so highly encourage you to really explore and try to rule out 
any potential sleep disorder uh, that, that could be associated because that is something that, um, you know, something like sleep apnea is something that could also look like ADHD. It also makes ADHD a lot worse when, when there's both. Um, well, don't you have sleep apnea? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Do you want to um, just talk a little bit about that? And then I'll have you muted for a little bit, but I'll want we'll, we'll to hear in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get used to the sleep apnea machine, um, but it, uh, I, I have like a sleep monitor. And so like just looking at the number of awakenings I had throughout the night that I had no idea about, like uh, I would go like now I might have like three or four awakenings throughout the night that I can sleep on my sleep monitor before it'd be like 12 to 20. Um, which means I was never getting into deep sleep, never getting into any like good rhythms of sleep. Uh, Cause the, with the amount of time you have between wakeups, is really important. Um, and then it was something I like never even like looked into for a while, even though like probably like 10 years ago, my wife was like, it sounds like you stop breathing while you're asleep. And I'd be like, and she'd like poke me and wake me up, except I would think I was awake when she poked me. That's actually a really common symptom where you think you're awake um, while you're because uh, you're going in and out of sleep so much while you're tired. So like, like I like mentioned that to the doctor, they're like, oh, yeah, tons of people do that. Um, and I think uh, at the ADHD conference, um, Kent name is escaping me now to who did the ending keynote. Um, um, Roberto Valavardia. Yeah, he talked about that same issue where he's like, I thought I was sleeping through the night, but because of sleep apnea, it wasn't because he like when he got tested there, he was like, he like laid down and they're like, we're going to bring something in, you know, in a few hours, if you're waking up a certain amount of times, he's like 15 minutes later, they came in and he was like, why are you guys here? And he's like, you've been asleep for like three hours. He's like, no, I've been awake for 15 minutes. (laughs) And, and I don't remember from that too, they, they said that he had like a hundred like events or episodes and they say that like 30 is a serious problem. Yeah. So, so. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. So the, the thing with sleep apnea is you don't know what is in yourself because your brain just kind of fills in those gaps and it, so it feels like you're sleeping and then you're waking you're like, I'm exhausted all the time. I don't know why. So that, that was that's definitely a big thing that I would look at. Uh, you know, if, if this, especially if this has been something that's you know you think that it's been a lifelong issue, right? Like even if statistically speaking it might not be the issue, if it is the issue, oh my gosh, your your life is going to get better if 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 that is the issue and you're able to treat it. Um, so is that is that something that you think you can uh, an approach you think you can look at getting a sleep study? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I've already done a sleep study, and I do have sleep apnea, and I I use a CPAP every night. Okay. And so my mm. quality of sleep is a lot better than it's ever been, but I just have the hardest time going to bed when I'm supposed to. Uh, like, I've been up since 2 a.m. this morning. I won't go to bed until 10, 11, 12 o'clock, and I don't – I hardly get tired. On days that you're not working, are you keeping that schedule? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. So you're in a constant state of jet lag then. Yeah. So that, cause so if, if man, Daniel, that if there's any way, I mean, shift workers, it's a, that's a really challenging issue with, with just the brain. Um, you know, you are, you are better off trying to keep that, that schedule if that's possible. 
um, on the days that you're not working so you can, because it's not just about the number of hours you're getting a night. It's about going to bed, waking up at the same time each day. Uh-huh. Right. And so it like, until your, your sleep is, is actually well managed. Um, uh, you know, so it sounds like you got the, the sleep apnea part of it. Um, but you know, I, I think that you're, you may continue to struggle, um, with the current sleep, uh, regimen that you, that you have. Yeah, I guess that, that does make sense. I know it's not good for me. I've read a lot about sleep and the lack of sleep and what it does. And I know it's not good. I just haven't been able to fix it. Are there things that you, that are, are within your control that you are able to change about what your work, uh, that could allow you to address this and work on this? No, uh, my, my work is based on seniority. So the scheduling is based only on seniority. Hmm. Brendan or Will, got anything else to... Can you go somewhere else? Is that an option? Like, could you find... Not. I don't mean like tomorrow, but I mean, just could you, generally speaking, keep an ear out for another opportunity somewhere else? Even if it's driving a truck and it's just moderately better hours, even moderately better hours will probably make a big difference. Yeah, Um I, I live just due to where I live. Um, some of the closest places would be some of the other closest trucking companies would be hours away from where I live. And right now I'm 30 minutes away from, from work. Okay. You know what? One of the things that we uh, talk about in our, in our coaching groups is this idea of like trying to think um, that we, we are at the end of our lives and looking back at what what are the things now that we're thinking aren't aren't the way we want it in our lives and thinking about how it would feel if we look back at the end of our lives knowing that 20 30 50 years ago we realized we we wanted to make a change and didn't um and i think looking at that through the the lens of of regret and knowing that it is a something that is knowable and is making a big life transition, uh, we're thinking about moving or changing the type of work you do. Like, is that hard? Absolutely. And so understandable why we would avoid that. But I think if we also think of, if we can really get ourselves into a real, uh, do some, uh, real future tripping and thinking about you know, how we're going to feel 80, 90 years old, maybe looking back, like if we think that we will regret not making that change and that makes you feel kind of like you want to vomit, um, which is a good feeling in a sense, because it's like, crap, I need to change. Um, it's hard, but I think that if we can really kind of cultivate that feeling, we can realize that not changing becomes even harder. So it's, you're, you know, it's just sort of, in a sense, you're torn between uh, two difficult choices, but which one will your future self be happy that you made? Does that, does that help at all? Yeah. I, I've wanted to just get out of working for somebody for a while. I've been trying to work on things like online businesses. That way I could have my own schedule and sleep when my body wants sleep and as long as it needs it rather than depriving my body of sleep just for the sake of a job. Yeah. And I think the other thing to, to mention too, that, that interest is so important for ADHD. 
Like if you are not interested in what you're doing, if you don't like what you're doing, it is really, really challenging to get yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. So, all right, let's, uh, let's pull up another question, Daniel. I hope that was, that was helpful for you. Do we have another question, Brendan or Will? Emily says, I don't have a problem starting. My issue is finishing or could it be following through? How do you deal with the F's finishing and following through? All right, let's uh, bring up Emily. Hi, I could. Um, so yeah, my, my, my life is, is uh, uh, basically a series of unfinished projects. Okay. Just like yarn all over the place. Oh yeah. Like it's, 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 it's not cute at all. Like, you know, as Eric and Will know, I recently got broken into and they almost deserve it for trying to get over the obstacle of my house. It's like literally like an obstacle course. If I have to get out of here, I'm afraid in a fire, I'm afraid I won't make it. (laughs) Now I'm not on hoarding level or anything like that, but it's enough to be completely humiliated. So, you know, I have to wait a few days to actually put the police report through because of the embarrassment of the police coming over and seeing my house like that. Okay. So, all right. You were on the podcast not that long ago. You're talking about emotional regulation. And so part of emotional regulation is that ability to continue working on something when it's no longer new, novel, interesting, or exciting. All right. So that's another aspect of emotional regulation. regulation do you emily have a a a process questions that you ask yourself pause points when you're thinking about starting something new um before you do i try really hard and what does that look like um like for example you know part of my clutter is because i love to collect things especially other people's discarded things so I have a hard time. Like I literally want to look on dump day for every part of the island and visit and pick up stuff and bring it home and then have it sit in my yard. Like I have a, a, a grill that's been in my yard for two months that I picked up from my cousins that they were, you know, and I figured I'll sell it on Craigslist. It's still there. So, but when it does happen, you know, I have like a 24 hour rule when it comes to shopping. You know, there are other things where I, you know, have systems in place to control the impulse of dragging things home. OK, so how much of this this the, I'm guessing the thrill of a cool find uh, is driving the, con- the continued collection of stuff? Um, it's a combination of, you know, I love the find. I love the bargain. But I also love the travel, you know, I'm just I just pick up stiff. I pick up plants. I pick up, you know, pieces of wood, you know, like. Can can I throw an idea out? Mm-hmm. I, I recognize Eric is still digging, but I don't want to lose this idea. Um, maybe what you need to do is become a photographer. And then you can find all kinds of cool stuff. Take a picture of it. And maybe that will be enough and, and I'm not throwing this idea out arbitrarily because I have clients mm-hmm. that I work with who spend way too much money and they have found it effective to take a picture of that book because then I'll remember it or whatever. And they it kind of scratches the itch without bringing more stuff into the house. A little bit, but it reminds me a little bit about window shopping, which I think is masochistic. <laughs> you know, if I can't have it, I don't want to see it. 
but you're creating art for other people to see. You're, yeah, my you're able to share that of art. Yeah. I mean, I really don't need to bring anything else in ever for the rest of my life. Cause I definitely have enough. <laughs> you okay. can become an Instagrammer. So do you, do you need to create a sort of a stopgap measure right now? What do you mean? Meaning like nothing new comes in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would help you stop yourself from bringing stuff in? Well, I have been, you know, I'm definitely bringing less stuff in than I have like at any other period in my life, okay. you know, but, um, you know, but that's not the only thing that adds to my clutter. It's also like not putting things away. It's also the influx of paperwork that I can't control because, you know, I teach. What is the, if you were to pick one domain, which is the one you would like to focus on? By domain, do you mean like, uh, like of stuff? What I'd like to do is um, not bring anything else back into my house and definitely exit the stuff out of my house, which I have been doing also, but the in-stream and upstream is not the same. Is So here's a, uh, and this, this, let me say it out loud and then we'll decide if it's a, if it's a good idea or not. Um, yeah. Allow yourself to continue the search of things. You're allowed to bring one thing in, but you need to remove five things. Mm-hmm. The, I do do that because then the, the, you know you get the thrill of the excitement of something new, mm-hmm. and then the math works out where you will eventually uh, unbury yourself. Mm-hmm. No, I do actually practice that also. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else do you think would would help? With um, this? What I have been, what has been adding to my clutter has been trying to declutter. You know, the whole thing was a disaster when I moved into my house because I moved into my house in such an awful state. You know, I just threw shit in and then put it in the house and it just ended up there. And so I have a pot, I have a room where the boxes are piled high and then I bring it out to the living room and I start it and I don't finish it. Ah, the F. Mm -hmm. And then it stays there. How long have those things been in boxes? It's so embarrassing to admit, but some of them have been in those boxes for seven years. So how much do they really matter? Is there a scenario where you can just grab when I actually go through a box, I go through it in like half an hour because 99% of the stuff is not in there. What happens? I did a big one. I found $700 in stale checks. What happens if you just grab the boxes and don't go through them and just chuck them? Because it's seven years old. It's probably stuff that doesn't matter anymore. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but the minute you said that, like, I couldn't breathe. Uh-huh. I figured. Yeah. I just wanted to ask the question. Because <laughs> if I ask the question, I put that idea in your head, right? I'm not expecting you to move on it now, but I'm planting a seed. Mm-hmm. So maybe three months, six months, two years from now, you're like, I could probably just throw these boxes out. Now it's been nine years that I haven't looked at them. No, it really can't be two years. Don't put it in, even in the air. Like, it, it's got to go. Okay. Well, I got to well, make believe I'm moving. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get into the headspace where I, I'm going to make believe I'm moving. What if you put your house on the market with the every intention of pulling it back off the market? I mean, I would love that, but I don't own, you know, I live in Hawaii. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So for these boxes, what if you just had a friend that was going to take them and throw them away in two months? Ah. If you don't go through them. They go, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. most likely going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an excellent idea. 
<laughs> and pay the friend in advance. So yeah. they'll feel more like committed to having to I do it. My friends are afraid of my emotional irregulation, you know. <laughs> That's why you should pay him to do it. Be like, here, I'm giving you a hundred dollars in two months. Come and take all these boxes 50, out of my house. 50s for the box, 50s for dealing with me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an idea. I like that idea. I can rock with that. Cool. Yeah, I mean, stuff, you know, there's so much, we have so much emotional attachment to stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then when it, it no longer becomes this, a, a joyful thing. And, you know, and I'm, I am not like a Marie Kondo person. Like I find her, like her excitement about like decluttering annoying. Um, but I like, wish I had that. Right. No, totally. It's like, I, 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 I can relate to that. Um, but I also think it's important to also to, to figure out where can you also ask for help? Cause sometimes the, the, the problem physically becomes so big that it feels insurmountable. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, city of how do you, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And because elephants are big, you should invite friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so right. You're so right. Well, good luck. Thank you. Give it, send, send pictures. <laughs> <laughs> when right. I just said that my breath went away too. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but I should for accountability. I know. So frightening. The struggle is real. Thank yes. you. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take one more quick break, and then now uh, we'll come back and answer a few more questions. We will be right back. Thank you to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible with your contributions. A special welcome and thank you to Steph D, who became a patron last week at a $25 a month level. Thank you so much. You will be able to join the group coaching call each month on Zoom. I hope to meet you on our next Patreon coaching call on January 28th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Consider becoming a patron today. Give a gift that makes sense to you, and we give a gift right back with perks. If you find value in these podcasts, become a patron at ADHDrewire.com slash Patreon. Check out the perks starting at $5 a month, and remember, you can join me and a small group of other patrons every fourth Tuesday of the month for a group coaching call on Zoom if you support us at $25 a month or more. Our next call will be on January 28th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Whatever your reason for giving and whatever your amount you can give, thank you. It really does help and it really does mean a lot to me. Become a patron at ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And thanks. This week on Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb, Will talks about building habits with ADHD. Building habits can be difficult, so check out this podcast. Go and subscribe to these short, mindful ways to hack your ADHD. Check out Hacking Your ADHD this week and every Monday. Join Will as he explores ways that you can work with your ADHD brain to do more of the things you want to do. If you haven't checked it out yet, do yourself a favor and go subscribe to Hacking Your ADHD. That's Hacking Your ADHD, available to everyone, everywhere you consume podcasts. All right, we are back for the uh, the last half of the show, the the final third. What was the the uh, the? And I remember car talk, click and clack with Tap Brothers. They, mm-hmm. they always had a, a what, what do they say for the 
the last, the second, it was like a funny pun that I didn't actually realize it was like until like a year later. I'm like, wait a minute. It was like a math joke. No, man. I got nothing. I did not watch enough car talk. I'm I'm, I'm leaving it in. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) Ben, what's your question? Uh, my question was kind of um, coming off the sleep question because I have sleep apnea and um, have started with the machine recently and am learning about lifestyle changes that um, can help with symptoms. Mm-hmm. And um, some of that is trying to learn about how alcohol and I'm in California, so marijuana here is legal and that's part of the culture, how that stuff affects motivation, um, you know, focus, any sort of ADHD symptoms. And if you guys have any insight on that, because it's hard to find that information out there. Okay. Good question. Um, so the current research that is out there specifically regarding marijuana, um, does not support the use for managing ADHD symptoms. Um, in fact, it, it highlights uh, a lot of negative, uh, effects of it. Um, I think where, um, you know, I, I'm not against marijuana by by any means right just like i'm not against drinking i think that anything in moderation and choose it for recreation not medicine right right um so we do know that long-term use does affect uh motivation it affects uh memory um and it, it can uh, create some cognitive dulling um you know, people will say that, uh, well, it helps with sleep. It creates this cycle where it may help you go to sleep. It also may help with anxiety in the short term. But then what ends up happening is that over time, you need more and more to alleviate those symptoms. And it's the, the, uh, chronic use that is creating the anxiety. But then you need, then you, you know, then you use to alleviate the anxiety. And it's sort of this, this spiral. Um, right. So I think that we will be seeing a lot more research now that it's becoming legal in more states, um, because one of the challenges when it's illegal, it's hard to study it. Right. Um, So that being said, you know, it's if you and your friends on occasion are wanting to partake in that um, because you enjoy it on occasion, I think that's no different than having a, you know, a drink or two responsibly. Right. Okay. So does that, does that answer those questions? I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, I've definitely noticed, um, it doesn't help in managing ADHD symptoms, um, both alcohol and marijuana, you know, um, but being a big part of our our culture, it's hard to avoid it all the time. Um, and as I get older I'm trying to be more, um, efficient just in the way that I operate and manage my symptoms better. Um, I'm trying to weed out things, you know, also sugar and, um, you know, any, anything else that's bad for you, increase things that are good for you, like exercise and exposure to the sun. And so I'm just learning about that now. And that's kind of a piece of it, right? The alcohol and marijuana stuff is a piece of that pie. Um, and so that does help. I wasn't sure if there was a pun where you said you wanted to weed things out. <laughs> no, unintentional. <laughs> my, my brain just goes there. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it looks like you, you were turning on something. Uh, yeah. Alcohol is probably the worst thing you can do for sleep. Um, it is so detrimental to your sleep that it I've seen uh, one study that shows it'll uh, having like a night of drinking will have an effect for three days on your sleep. Huh. So uh, it, even if it gets you to sleep, it like just, it prevents you from going into deep sleep. Uh, so it's one of those things where like, I'm like, Oh, am I going to have a beer with dinner? I don't think so anymore because I, I have enough trouble sleeping as is. I don't, 
I don't need to add that on to everything else because like, yeah, sure. If I go to a party with a bunch of people, I might have some drinks there, but it becomes a very more one-off situation and a lot less regular. Right. So I hope that's, that's helpful. Um, uh, you had another question about entrepreneurship and I'd like to, uh, um, yeah, respond to that one as well. So what was the, what was the question? Um, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur here in San Francisco. I've had a number of successes, um, but also a number of failures and a number of projects that I've started and obviously not finished. Um, The biggest issue that I have is, you know, the hyper-focus and excitement around starting something new and getting, um, getting it going. And then I might get some success with a few projects or um, with sales or, or, or whatever it is. And then once I kind of, conquer it. And I feel like, all right, I've, I've worked my way up the ladder and I've been, I've, you know, dominated this industry or this, or this section of the industry. And I'm, and I just get tired of it. And my consistency drops and I basically just stop working for like pretty large swaths at a time because my successes have allowed me to kind of take time off and I'll just stop working for like six months or a year. How do you stay motivated to keep going? Um, how do you stay motivated to when things get boring and slow? And, you know, you mentioned the emotional regulation aspect of that. And I thought that was interesting. Um, how do you stay consistent, um, when things get boring and things get really slow? So when you're, so you identify as a serial entrepreneur, um, which is, which is cool. So you're building businesses. I imagine you're then selling the business. Um, no, they're not really businesses that I can sell, but, um, but they're more, they're more businesses that I have to keep on working on in order to produce income. Okay. Cause I, when I think of a serial entrepreneur, I think of someone who is creating a business, selling a business then going on to start another business and then kind of rinse and repeat. Um, these are, I'm, I'm, I'm in the real estate field, so it's more like real estate development type projects. So okay. I build, I build multifamily or single family or, um, condo developments, things like that. And then when I'm kind of done with one of those projects, I sell them. So I guess in a sense, I do sell a business like that. Um, and then it's hard for me to get started on another one because I'm kind of like, ah, I'm done with that one. I don't really need to do much going forward. You know, you sell it, you have some cash in the bank and things are good until cash gets low. And then you're like, Oh, better get back out there. And you're kind of scrambling. Right. I'm wondering too, if, if, cause it sounds like, you know, you, you sort of thrive on the stimulation of something's challenging. Is that okay? If you sort of added that component to the businesses that you are and things that you're starting, um, add the challenge to, okay, how do I start something to create something to sell? Right. Cause then you're actually create like, then that becomes the whole process. And then in a sense, you're never bored. Uh Uh-huh. And can you set yourself up so that you're doing more than one thing at a time? So there isn't this huge crash at the end because there's something else that you're in the process of launching or is already launched and like one ends and you're in the middle of another one kind of a deal. Um, I can definitely get multiple projects going at once. And I, and I have in the past and that's a good point. Um, Depending on how stressful that is too. Like if, if one project is all you can manage, then do one project. But, and I'm not saying, a home or a, or a, or a complex or anything like that. I'm not saying necessarily two of those at a time, but, but could you do a sit, could there be a situation where you're, let's say creating a, a, a complex of some sort while simultaneously consulting with other people who are also creating complexes and, and that kind of keeps your head in the game a little bit when the, when the crash hits, because 
all of, especially as ADHD folks, but even people who don't have ADHD, those regular folks out there that apparently exist. Um, when we finish a big project, there's like an emotional crash that comes with it. We get hit harder by that. And that's part of what you're navigating is you're finishing this really significant project. That's been very stressful. That's been very time consuming. That's been very resource intensive. And then you kind of need to recuperate. So you're in the process of recuperating and bouncing back, but you're maybe taking longer to recuperate than is actually healthy. And you might be hitting some stagnation there that you're finding frustrating. Um, that's interesting. Or you, or you might just need more time to recuperate than you realize that's also possible, but six months to a year sounds like a long time to recuperate. Yeah. Um, you might, it might be beneficial to have something, some almost like a side gig, something really small that keeps you moving forward so that when you hit these recuperation times that you may need, you still have a side gig, something related to your field that keeps you your toes in the water and keeps you moving forward to join the next major right. project more readily. Ben, do you, do you know when you, you're like about 80% close to being done with the project? Yeah. yeah. What if looking at like a certain point in your, your sort of uh, workflow and your projects and of, of your different businesses say, all right, now is the point where you actually need to begin starting something new while I'm finishing this other thing. So as soon as this thing is done, I'm ready to ramp up the thing that I've already started. I think it's a really good point. Um, I think the issue that I have with it is that this projects can be really stressful and can create a lot of anxiety and managing that anxiety and jumping into jumping into another one is almost like it's almost feels like too much. So a, a component of that for me would be trying to manage the anxiety around the project and the stress around the project and techniques around that so that I do feel like I can go and start something next. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I take the six months of a year off is because it's like, it was so emotionally exhausting to go through that process I mean, being a real estate developer is a very, very exhausting and stressful thing to do. Um, and so if you, if, if I come out of that process and I'm emotionally exhausted and it was kind of rough on me, I think I take a lot of time before I'm recouped and ready to go back in and start it again. Um, and so some of that might be dealing with the anxiety and the stress around it. Yeah. What if instead of taking the, the, you said six months to a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I think that's awesome that you've created something for yourself that it can even allow you to do that. So like give yourself some, some props. That's, that's really mm-hmm. awesome. What if you said, all right, I'm going to do this project and then I get to take three to four months off and give myself a time frame. Yeah. That's interesting. I do that with my clients on a small scale where I'm like, plan your breaks, right? Like if I've got a client, like a, a college kid or a high school kid is a really good example for this where they're they're doing their homework and it's like a big assignment that they're writing a 20 page paper or whatever. Like you got to plan your breaks. How long are they going to last? What are you going to do? How is the stuff you're doing going to be recuperative? And that way there's some parameters and some boundaries around it so that they come back when they're supposed to come back. Um, What Eric's describing is just a larger scale version of that. Well, right. Well, I'm also wondering what you're doing with your time on those breaks because it's a long time to be doing essentially I just, there's something you've got to be doing. So I'm, that's there a, is. So I'm helping my wife with her law firm. I do all of her marketing sales and operations for her law firm. And that's kind of another project that I work on. Um, I've been doing that for the past probably year since I haven't done any real estate projects. Um, I take care of the household. I take care of our dog. We just had a baby. Um, so it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm sitting around doing nothing. I'm just <laughs> doing real estate projects. So you will need like really high stimulation. It sounds like. 
yeah, I'm kind of a fast moving, crazy, <laughs> fast paced kind of guy. Yeah. Dude, consult. You've got marketing skills. You've got project management skills. You've got real estate management skills. When you don't have the emotional resources to do a big scale project, yeah. consult on someone else's big scale project and let them deal with the emotional side while you just swoop in and give them good ideas. That's a good point. Yeah. And consultants make a lot of money. Yeah. You can charge gross money for, cons- <laughs> for consulting. Yeah. And I consult not- with schools and make good money and schools don't have money. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So I hope that's helpful. That's very helpful. All right. We are getting to the, uh, the, the end of our live Q and a here. There was, um, there were some, uh, uh, links that were thrown in the chat that I wanted to, uh, um, circle back to. Um, there was a uh, study was, uh, called the Cannab- uh, cannabis use and the risk of a schizophrenia. Um, just to read the few sentences here. Uh, cannabis use is observed, uh, observationally associated with increased risk of schizophrenia, but whether the uh, relationship is causal is not, uh, known using a genetic approach. We took 10 independent, uh, genetic variants um so let me try to get to the main point here uh looks like there is a an associated increased risk of schizophrenia um by but i think it looks like that there also needs to be more research but there looks like to be a, an associative risk um uh with that so interesting again we need more research on it so um thanks for for throwing the science and the uh in the chat. We appreciate that. All right. Um, we do this every second Tuesday of the month. Brendan and Will uh, have been joining me each month. Brendan, this is going for like two plus years. Will, since he launched uh, the podcast. So if you have not, if, if like, who's Will Curb? Hacking your ADHD. Go check it out. It's our, uh, it's our new snack sized podcast. And if, you and if you're already listening to ADHD Essentials, Will will be the guest this Friday. Nice. I got a podcast to edit, by the way. Nice. All right. <laughs> so uh, you can check out both of those podcasts available where you are listening to this podcast. Um, thank you. And uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope that you had a good new year. If you're listening to this live, I hope you have a happy holidays and a good new year. We'll see you in 2020. The future. Whoa. this is eric tivers thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end adhd rewired is more than just a podcast we are a community focused on learning growing and connection the website is adhdrewired.com you can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube 
and you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel von der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I would be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tibbers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.